1: You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Search Long. FM 104.
2: It's Room 104. It's Cormac and Saoirse here. Just chatting fake news for the year we've had. There's been a massive ton of fake news. Um, if you've got any good ones that you maybe have been sent in a voice note via WhatsApp, you can send it on to us. Or so if you just uh, can remember it, 87 seven. Six seven nine seven one zero four. We've gone through some of the more popular fake news stories from the year that we had. Uh, there was a, a good story about apparently you would get a thousand euro for ratting out people having house parties. I mean, that would have been a nice fake news, a nice news story to have. You could have made a few extra quid.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so many, and it's nearly too hard to find what's real and what's fake because I could go online and just throw out there something outrageous, and someone is going to believe it.
2: Uh, yeah, that's the problem these days. And you think you're susceptible to it, like you think you're 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 immune to fake news, right? But a couple of years ago, do you remember when we had the big snow and everyone was locked down? Yeah. I think it was two or three years ago. Right. Do you remember, was it the little in Tala that got destroyed?
0: Yes, I do remember that. Now, I was abroad at that po- point, but I remember thinking the whole country is just losing the plot.
2: <laughs> just losing our minds. But I like to think that I wouldn't be susceptible to fake news, but I was down in a pub. Do you remember pub? Uh, I was down in the pub that night that it happened. And I, I remember retweeting a fake uh, tweet about it. I retweeted an image of a little on fire. And I was like, oh, my God, the place is burning down now, completely not even thinking um, or realizing. And then everyone was at me going, no, 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 that's absolute BS. So we like to think we're all smart individuals, but we're not. But now it turns out that a new bit of research done in the University College Cork has shown that not only is fake news getting worse and more difficult to manage, it could be leaving you with fake memories, which is... Insane. To talk a little bit more about it is one of the women who was involved in that study, Dr. Gillian Murphy. Dr. Murphy, how are things?
3: Good, good. How are you?
2: I suppose I like to think that, you know, we're all. Better than fake news and can't succumb to it, but obviously more of us than we'd like to admit are probably come you know fall victims to some of the misinformation that's out there.
3: Yeah, definitely. So uh, I, I'm a psychologist and I'm primarily interested in in how our our cognition can fail us in everyday context. So how we can see something you know right in front of us and not pay any attention to it or. Maybe how we can remember something that that never happened. So one of the things I'm really interested in is called the misinformation effect. Uh, And it's simply that um, after you've experienced an event, if I then try to tell you something that's not true, if I expose you to um, misinformation uh, after the fact, uh, I can kind of tamper with your memory a little bit. So um, one of the really kind of classic studies in this area um, might have you uh, view a video of a car crash Uh, and the car crashes, uh, and you see it happen in the video, and then afterwards you're asked, uh, what speed was the red car going when it hit the other car? Um, and another group of people might be asked, what speed was the red car going when it smashed into the other car? Um, what you find is that people who are asked leading questions like smashed, they're gonna, their memory of the speed the car was going will be changed and, and they'll remember the car going a little bit faster than it was. And so what's happening there is just that they're incorporating this what we call post-event information into their original memory and they have no idea
0: that it happened. That's mental. I've never heard of that before, but it obviously makes sense. But I've noticed throughout the last few years that when people do believe in fake news, it's usually, fake news is usually more uh, gripping, you know, it's dramatic. There's something kind of exaggerated about it, you know, like Cormac said about the little burning to the ground, you know, it's on fire right now and people will just go, oh, re- retweet that this is crazy story, instead of looking into it.
3: Exactly. Um, you know, what we find in our research as well is that we're particularly susceptible to, to false memories for fake news that aligns with our own opinions. So, you know, you, are, you already are out in the world and you have your own uh, attitudes and opinions that are already there. And when we see fake news that is in line with those opinions, it seems more true to us uh, and we form more false memories. So uh, we did a big study, myself and my colleague, Dr. Tier Green in UCD, uh, we did a big study with with some uh, U.S. colleagues during the abortion referendum in 2018. And we showed people some fake news stories and some true stories the week before the referendum. Uh, If you cast your mind back, you'll remember how fraught that time was and lots of (laughs) accusations of fake news going around. People were kind of suspicious. Um, But we still found that, you know, about a quarter of people formed a false memory Uh, in response to this fake news and more importantly we found that people form them in line with their opinions. So if I'm a a yes voter and I see a story that makes the no side look bad I'm much more likely to form a false memory for it than if it made my own side look bad. Um, So you know we see that there are certain patterns and and certain predictors of susceptibility when it comes to fake news.
2: So are we all screwed?
3: (laughs) The technical term that we would use. No I wouldn't say so uh, i think it's a really important um challenge for us as psychologists and, and also lots of other stakeholders like like journalists and, and media platforms but we we have to uh, lead with an understanding of how people work you know we have to think about how our brains actually work and try to help people with that so we know that uh, a big driver of people kind of believing in fake news it's not necessarily that they're incapable of telling the difference between a true story and a fake story. If they really try and if they're really looking for it, a lot of people will, will do okay. Um, but the thing is, I suppose, when we're scrolling on social media, all of the mm. time we're not thinking about accuracy. We're not trying to look, you know, is this accurate, is it not? We're just not in that kind of frame of mind. So there are some recent studies that suggest that if we can kind of nudge people, um, so, so in, in one experiment, before people viewed some true and fake news stories, they just asked them a question about accuracy. So they showed them this kind of neutral headline and said, Do you think this is accurate? Um, and for people who saw that before they started looking at news, uh, they were better then at not sharing fake news and, and not falling for it as much because they're kind of the idea is that we're nudging them to kind of think a little bit more about accuracy and, and just get in that frame of mind. But day to day, most of us are, are kind of cognitively lazy. We don't kind of expend the resources on constantly thinking, Is this real? Is it not? Um, But if we could kind of try or if we could create systems that encourage people to think about accuracy, maybe we'd be able to help people.
0: Not only, though, is it resulting in false memories, but it can change your behaviour itself.
3: Potentially. (laughs) So uh, this is kind of a uh, a question of interest to us. So, again, myself and my colleague Kira have some research starting up soon uh, looking at the potential downstream effects of of fake news and false memories on behaviour. So we want to try to quantify. You know, if we have one group of people seen a fake news story about vaccines and one group who haven't, are we going to see a change in their willingness to get a vaccination? Um, and you would think we would have loads of research on this, but we actually don't. Uh, these things are hard to measure, they're hard to quantify, uh, but it is really important that we start doing it. Um, outside of fake news, so within, within the false memory research, There is some evidence that you can change people's behavior by planting false memories. And this is a a really weird uh, and interesting area of research. And it's based on food and food aversions. So uh, you come into the lab and I try to plant a false memory in your mind that you, uh, a few years ago, you got sick from eating a particular food. Uh, And we talk about it and I ask you to imagine it. And so... In one of these studies, it was strawberry ice cream. So I tried to plant the memory in your mind that actually, yeah, I do remember getting sick from eating strawberry ice cream. Uh, And what you find is that once people have had that memory planted in them, they just don't want to eat it anymore. They look at the strawberry ice cream and they go, oh, I don't want to eat that. (laughs) And uh, months later, they come back into the lab and and they just don't want the strawberry ice cream. Um, Ah, So there have been some. Yeah, (laughs) well, it's quite a controversial area of research. So there have been some you know, uh, controversial discussions as to whether or not this could eventually form a type of therapy. So if, if you had a an addiction to food or alcohol that, you know, could you or, or should you <laughs> consent? Drop to, hints, yeah,
2: about alcohol.
3: Yeah, would you sign up for that? Would you allow a therapist to uh, kind of plant this memory in your mind to try to change your behaviour? There's a lot of strong arguments on both sides of that and the ethical conversations about that are still going on. But it's really interesting to think about how we could use these potentially positively. Um, But it's not something I I would be interested in doing myself.
2: (laughs) If someone literally just tuned in now, they would think that you were describing the plot to... um, What's that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio in it? When they're going through the different levels of consciousness and oh, implanting okay. memories, different. there you inception, go. But yeah. think of the name, yeah, in- Inception. It's like, are we talking about the technology to uh, drop these things into people's minds? It's insane. Like I've heard things of um, therapists accidentally implanting false memories in people, like through uh, hypnosis or hypnotherapy. And then I know I'm not saying that that's what leads in all of those situations, but some circumstances of you know, patients having false memories and in and, and the extreme cases going to court and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that never actually happened. So as you said, I'm sure that's going to open a huge can of worms about the potential ethical implications down the line.
3: Yeah, so uh, there's a a whole history within psychology of of what what we call the memory wars, which sounds very dramatic. (laughs) Uh, But it's arguments between people who believe that that memories can actually be repressed um, and people who believe that what's more likely is that people are forming false memories. Um, And so there was a whole, um, you know, ugly series of events that happened uh, during the 80s, I think, called the Satanic Panic. I don't know if you've heard of that before in the U.S. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of that was driven from people recovering memories of satanic abuse during therapy, um, and we know that actually, you know, one one way, if I was trying to implant a memory in your mind today, one of the ways I could kind of quite successfully do that is by asking you to continually imagine it. You keep imagining it. Right. Hey, how would that have happened, and how would I have felt if that happened? And the more you do that, that you know, often for a minority of people you can start to you know, get confused between that and your real memories and you start to think it really happened. And, uh, you know, if, if, a, if a therapist isn't really, if they're not aware of that risk, um, they could potentially, and this is what was happening a long time ago. Um, therapists were, you know, with good intentions, trying to help people recover memories. And they were saying, well, you know, imagine how you would feel. And it's a very complicated debate <laughs> between, uh, you know, psychologists that fall on different sides as to what's happening. Um, but certainly, you know, we would be conscious and there's a very kind of dark history of uh, using false memories in different ways and looking at how we interpret them because the real key thing here is that once once you have a memory... It feels real to you. You know, you have no way of distinguishing. If you remember something, then to you, it really did happen. Um, and so there's whole philosophical debates around, around what that means, you know, and, and there's no way yeah. for us really to identify them. So I could put you in a brain scanner and look at what your brain activity looks like when you're recalling a false memory or a real memory, and it will look the same. So, you know, you're relying yeah, then on the some external collaboration of what happened. It's a, it's a very complicated, <laughs> very controversial area. And, uh, you know, you have to be very sensitive in terms of how you approach these questions. So I I don't work in that space, looking at kind of clinical false memories. I I would just be looking at kind of politics and and health.
2: And uh, the impact on media and stuff. So if you've just tuned in, by the way, we're talking to uh, Dr. Gillian Murphy from the uh, School of Applied Psychology from UC, uh, so University College Cork, and chatting about, one, the misinformation problem, and two, uh, that can lead to you having false memories. But what you were just saying there about, you know, it might be easier or not to... Easier than we think, maybe to implant false false memories. If I started going to Circe, what would it would be like if you owed me fifty quid and just every so often started <laughs> drip feeding that in, and then all of a sudden going, "Do you have that? Do you have the fifty quid? You owe me." Remember we were talking about that?
3: Well, yes, yeah, you know it's just suggestion techniques, and uh, you know I think most of us have had that experience where I, I have it with my husband sometimes, where you, you know you'll watch a, a movie with someone. And you say, do you remember we went to see this in the cinema? <laughs> and the other person is saying, I've never seen this in my life. And one of you is saying, no, we definitely yeah. watched this together. And, you know, one <laughs> yeah. of you is wrong, but it, it, it feels equally real to both of you. And uh, I would be a big advocate. Like a lot of the time, I think when people have discrepancies in their memories, we tend to assume one of them is lying. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I think that comes from a place of uh, kind of assuming that our memories work like video cameras. So that when one person says something happened and the other says it doesn't, we think, well, one of them is lying. And, and that might be the case, but you know, it, it's equally plausible that, that someone truly believes what they're saying is real, but they're just they're just suffering from a memory
0: distortion. And how can we combat this? Like how can we protect people from fake news? It's a million dollar
3: question at the moment. <laughs> um, yep. So we're working on some projects to, to look at different ways. I mentioned that kind of accuracy nudge um, to get people thinking about accuracy. In, in a recent study we did, so we were looking at um, false memories for fake news to do with COVID-19. We, we ran this big study over the summer with the journal.ie um, where over 4,000 people looked at, at true stories and fake stories. And we were looking to see what are the individual factors that project, pre- predict susceptibility so that we could use that to design interventions. And we found that the more people were kind of analytical and the more they were able to kind of stop and think, which is kind of about that question about accuracy, that helps them. But also, if they just knew a lot about the topic, they were less susceptible. So when we assess their knowledge objectively, if we gave them a quiz, people who scored quite well in that quiz about COVID-19 and and they knew a lot about the topic, they were less susceptible to the fake news stories. Whereas, interestingly, uh, we also tried a subjective measure of knowledge. We just asked people, like, how knowledgeable do you think you are about COVID-19 relative to other people? Uh, We found that that was also a predictor, but in the opposite direction. So the more kind of overconfident people were, the more they thought, yeah, yeah, I know loads about this, um, the worse they did in terms of false memories and fake news, whereas the more they were actually knowledgeable and could actually demonstrate that knowledge, the better they did.
2: Just delete Twitter, yes. shut it down, send it somewhere else into a big fire and burn it. And then I think job done and maybe Facebook in on top of that. But, but listen, uh, Dr. Gillian Murphy, thanks a million for giving up your time this evening. Uh, you're on, on Twitter or anywhere people can find you and the work you're doing?
3: Uh, I do. Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at Gillian uh, is my Twitter. Um, and yeah, the School of Applied Psychology and UCC is uh, typically where you'll find uh, our research. And as I said, I do a lot of this with Dr. Kira Green in the School of Applied Psychology in UCD as well. Um, So, yeah, there should be a lot of that research coming out soon, a lot of it's ongoing. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us. Great, thank you.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.